Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. It's the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast. Oh, McDavid, Kieran Murphy and Ken Early presented. Hello there, Owen. Hey, Ken. Doing? Kieran, I'd like to start by picking up on a thread from last week's podcast, if you don't mind. When we were talking about the dwindling attention span of the TV watching sports fan, including ourselves. Remember this conversation, Ken? Uh, yeah, yeah. You marveled at the glory days of the mid noughties when it was still achievable to actually sit there and watch, watch 90 minutes of football event. yeah, without the mind wandering to Twitter and elsewhere. Yeah. I may have a solution for this. It's pretty radical, right? Yeah. And I say this, there's a context for this uh, coming up this weekend because the Super Bowl is on and millions of people around America are going to have to decide how and with whom do they watch the biggest sporting event of the year. I think we've got to go back to watching games with groups of friends. I used to think that watching matches with my mates was, you know, it was fine. It was nice for the camaraderie. I, I, like, I like most of my friends. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, the, the vast majority, the vast majority of, my of my friends, friends I, I'm quite friendly with, yeah. But... You always got the sense I didn't. I don't really know. You talk about it then the next day with somebody else, and you're thinking, "I missed that detail. I missed that. I missed that." The only way to watch games, to concentrate on games ten years ago, was to do it by yourself. Mm. Curtains drawn, a little pen and paper. I take a few notes, mm. that kind of thing. You have that little pen that uh, movie reviewers have with the light. On the <laughs> yeah. so you can watch the game in total darkness. Whereas now, watching it with people means you won't be on Twitter, and therefore might actually see the match. Yeah, look... Um, it's Super Bowl party time, Kenneth, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I, I'm absolutely in favour of your idea, Owen. Mm-hmm. I think it's a brilliant idea. Because I won't deny that a lot of... Uh, I've watched football in two main ways. One is alone. And the other is in the stadium. Uh, so I rarely get to watch on television with other people present. Yeah. Right? Now... If, if this is a cry for help, Ken, yes, we'll call around this. No, again. no, not. I don't want you. I don't. I, I don't want other people present okay. most of the time. But I'm just thinking back to a moment when that did happen. You know the way you, uh, you even moved the Champions League final from uh, from Wednesday to Saturday. Yeah, they moved it to like the last Saturday or maybe the second last Saturday in May. It, it's not that Saturday this year for some reason. It's in June. It's it's all very late. It's the sixth of June this year, but usually it's the last Saturday in May. Now the problem with this is everybody always wants to get married on the last Saturday in May. It's just one of those days when people get married. I think back uh, over my life, and I always seem to be at a wedding on that day, uh, which is unfortunate given now that it coincides with the Champions League final. Mm. Um, uh, I was at the I was at one such wedding in 2011 when Manchester United played Barcelona in at <laughs> Wembley. Yeah, 
one of the probably one of the greatest football matches of the twenty first of the twenty first century. One of yeah. the greatest team performances of the twenty first century. And I obviously couldn't go to it because I had to go to a wedding of two of my friends. Well, at least there were two of your friends, and not two of your wife's friends. I mean, that would be real. I mean, yeah, it's still that, really annoying. That, that happened. That happened in sorry. That happened in the other Wembley final, Borussia Dortmund against Bayern Munich. <laughs> okay. Right. So. You know, you can imagine. Kennedy's friends stop getting married in late yeah. May. I mean, you're quite you're quite an ignorant man most of the time. I can only imagine the levels of ignorance I, when you're sitting at a table with eight other people you don't know, your wife, and there's a Champions League final happening at that exact moment. Well, I, I, I can only. I, I missed the first half of that game. You know, I had to. I, I'm. <laughs> but you did see the second half. I, I did sneak upstairs. <laughs> just, just so that you know, there's that sort of long, drawn out part with the desserts and all that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not feeling that well. I'm not feeling well. I might actually just come to the room for just. I'll, I'll be fine in about fifty minutes, or alternatively ninety, 80 minutes. <laughs> Eighty plus 90 plus fifteen. Yeah, but uh, the point, of, the point of all this, Owen, was that I remember on that day in twenty eleven, we had been told. I mean, we were obviously had noted the the clash in in um, times some weeks out. I said, oh, you know, that's that's unfortunate. Um, is there anywhere in the local area <laughs> where we could maybe all go and watch this game? Because it's going to be a real sickener to have to sit that one out, given yeah. that you know it's of course, quite a big game. Yeah. Um, don't worry, there'll be some kind of a screen. We'll put, we'll, it'll be available somehow, right? It turned out that the screen in question was. Uh, a portable television from the early 1980s. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so the screen was tiny. It was a tiny little square uh, screen with, you know, flickering, mm. grainy image. Uh, the TV is almost longer uh, from front to back I than know it the is one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, it's sitting there on the floor. And we all had to gather around and watch this. So eventually there was about 20 people gathered around watching this. It was actually brilliant. Yeah. It was brilliant. It, it was like we all had to kind of concentrate really hard to see yeah, yeah, yeah. to see what was going on this tiny screen, but then we were, because we were all there. I mean, a lot of us didn't even really know each other, own, but we were all, you know, we were chatting. It was like being on the terrace. Yeah. It was like being on the terrace on a day when you could hear every comment. There weren't too many people there, just the right amount of people for everyone to have a great time watching the game. So if you could organize that for me, own a, a group of about twenty people, some of whom I kind of know, a lot of whom I don't to watch every match in those kind of circumstances, then we might start to rediscover the, the joy of this beautiful game. Kerry, our All-Ireland champions, Cullum Cooper, is back from injury. And Tommy Walsh, who we're talking mm. to in today's programme, is back from Australia five years after heading off there following the All-Ireland victory in 2009. Remind us what sort of player Walsh was back then. Well, uh, he was pretty, pretty bloody good. Uh, a huge physical specimen, uh, very accurate uh, had a real eye for goal and had this ability. When once he got the ball, his first his his first thought was always, "I'm going to beat the guy in front of me. I'm going to run over the guy in front of me. And if a goal is on after that, I'm going to go for it. And if it's not, I'm going to I'm going to tap it over the bar." But he's one of these guys. That, and it's not. It wasn't just like 21 yards out. He had the idea of right. I'm going to try and take on a guy. His first thought, no matter where in the field he was, is I'm going to run over this guy. And then and then see what see what opens up. So he was a brilliant, brilliant footballer to watch. A really exciting guy, the sort of guy that when the ball got in his hands, he knew something was going to happen. Um, and the idea that he would train for five years as a professional athlete and then come back to Kerry at the age of I think he's twenty seven next month, 
that's pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because he's, he, I mean, he had all of the physical gifts as a 19-year-old, as a 21-year-old. Um, and now, yeah, he will be an even uh, an even bigger specimen. He's looking he in good shape, Murph. I, I met him to have a chat with him, and we'll hear it later yeah. on. But he, uh, yeah, he's looking <laughs> he's looking strong, I will say that. Just to, to mention, though, he's got to win people over all over again. I, I read a piece in the Irish Times, Murph. Yeah. It's one of those reports of a local game that has no byline attached to it. A, yeah. a local reporter would have... Stringer. local Stringer would have, uh, would have sent it up. He played for his club, Cairns O'Reilly. It was a local derby against Austin Stacks. It was... I say I read this. You pointed it out to me, but I'm going to take the quote here. Don't worry. Playing, it's fine. <laughs> that going on. This, Ken. Bear in mind, this is a very early season game, which nobody outside of Tralee would have known was happening. Mm. Playing despite a back strain, he made a satisfactory return, says the unnamed journalist. But he's a long way to go to get back to the form he displayed in 2009 and the intensity required in the county level. <laughs> it's January, I would wager that, Yeah, I would wager that if you're showing the, intens- the intensity required for county football in a mid-January league game, uh, then there's probably something mentally wrong with you. So, uh, I'm going to give Tommy the benefit of the doubt at least until mid-February. We're going to find out US Murph's Super Bowl party plans very shortly, Ken, but I do want to ask you about your impressions of Lance Armstrong's first television appearance apparently since oh, the Oprah Winfrey interview that was the way he was being bigged up on the BBC his interview with Dan Rohn yeah I thought he looked really old maybe he should go back on the drugs <laughs> 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 because he, he's aged he's aged terribly so it may be that whatever he was taking was helping to 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 give him increased vitality I, I don't know I've never could be the fact that his, yeah, could be more the fact that his life has come crashing down around his ears in the last eighteen months. Yeah, That's, a certain amount of stress has been involved in that. I love the way Lance is too. He, he, you know, when they when they ask him, "Are you sorry, though, Lance? Are you sorry?" He's just too honest to answer <laughs> that question with a lie and say, "Yeah, I'm sorry." <laughs> Even though you know, a, a, an apology, an apparently heartfelt apology, might tactically be a good move for him at this stage. <laughs> Uh, he just can't bring himself to do it on. He's he will like, not uh, tell a lie. He's like George uh, Washington. Uh, well, yeah, or uh, Leo DiCaprio's character in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. You know, he's just about to retire. And then he sees everyone going, going crazy for him. He's like, wait a minute. Why, why, would, I, why, would, why would I apologize? Why would I retire? He literally has no idea why he should have to apologize for, for yeah, everything. I mean, it's, it's always been Lance's problem, Ken. Too honest. Too much honesty. You've got World War One, World War Two, and World War Lance. This is what he actually said, talking about the blank spaces in the in the Tour de France record. You know, so he's comparing himself to the World Wars in terms of the tragedy uh, that um, I don't that harp, world. yeah, and I don't harp too much on about physical appearances. Uh, we we gave poor Andy Good an unfair thrashing there last week, but I was struck by that as well. What you said, how just how sunken his eyes looked how his, the complexion of his face was very different his body language was the, was the big thing for me if you see him in the for example sitting looming over the microphone as he's uh, trying to take Paul Kimmage apart in that famous press conference in Tour California he's so in control he's so authoritative he's, he's so so much the boss of uh, of a situation as he always was in those press conference situations when he when he had what he wanted to say in his head whereas you see him in interviews now and he's sitting back he's kind of has his arms folded at times he just looks like a normal person <laughs> yeah, well, like what a normal most, human being most normal human beings are with yeah. doubts and, and exactly all those sort of uh, those human frailties it's time the Super Bowl 49 takes place this it's 49 am I right my Roman numerals are awful Murph so the Super Bowl takes place this Sunday in Much Arizona uh, there's a few X's and I's and V's and stuff involved in it and anyway there's only one man we want to hear from on this 
Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. You're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. Brian Murphy, Super Bowl week. Excited? Boys, the American holiday. Are you kidding me? This is, uh, you know, this is where everything excessive about our culture gets to uh, be on display. Who wouldn't be excited to, uh, to celebrate all that is gauche and overwrought about American society? Bring it on, boys. The Super Bowl. Where, do you, where are you going to watch this? You're not going to it this year, eh? Well, you know, boy, it's funny you say that. You're getting into kind of a weird personal predilection. I don't know if I had 60 seconds to kind of get into it. I am yeah. adamantly against Super Bowl parties. <laughs> Adamantly, I'm a big believer in like because I was, you know, the, my 49ers growing up, guys, they won five Super Bowls, and that spanned my uh, ages 14 to 28 or whatever, and and so that just ingrained in me that the Super Bowl was not a time to have your back to the TV <laughs> talking to some jabroni who doesn't know anything about football <laughs> while you uh, you know see and be seen. I used to just literally, you know, actively tell people to leave my house, leave my room, be alone. I want to watch the 49ers win a Super Bowl, and that kind of spilled over into most every Super Bowl. I take the game sort of seriously, so I don't ever go to a party, except this year. Oh. I actually, uh, you know, guys, now you guys know, you guys have been with me since the birth of little Declan Murphy, who's now yeah. seven, he's in first grade, and now you've got elementary school parent politics, you know? Oh, so you've got, nice. like, classmates' parents who you have to sort of keep on friendly terms with for various reasons, and they're throwing a party, and it'll be kind of bad form to turn them down, you know? So... Mm. I gotta go to a party, Brian. I'm not sure about this. Yeah, this is. I, I mean, let's be let's be honest about this, Brian. They're not going to hear this. These people aren't even your good friends. Yeah, you, you, you're, you're, you're only friends. You're only uh, socializing with these people because they happen to have uh, f- uh, had a child around the same time that you do. You, you are you are on one of the, one of the great social weirdness <laughs> things in, in Western society, which is the forced friendship of your kids being born in similar dates. You know, it's like you got, you're right. They're actually really nice people, but no, they're not lifelong friends. They're not blood brothers. They haven't been through the wars with me. They haven't been through the embarrassments and the pass-outs and the uh, hangovers. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's a whole weird... And then you got... That makes the, the sort of the forced socializing even more awkward and puts the game in on a lower plane. So you're... Uh, yeah. Well, that basically, that's my long answer to your question. Where am I going to watch the game? I'm going to be at, a, uh, at an elementary school parent's house. Now... I will say this for them, if they do listen. First of all, if you guys are listening, Doug and Lisa Roberts, you guys are great people. I like you guys a lot. And uh, your son Mason is a delight, right? But listen, uh, Lisa Roberts is from Massachusetts, and she's a big New England Patriots fan. I'm telling you, we've talked about this through the years, man. Boston, as a sports town. Come on. It just, they, they are so hardcore. So she has insisted that even though this will be a bunch of elementary school suburban people hobnobbing, uh, you know, talking about little Johnny's problem in school or little Cooper's problem in school, mm-hmm. is that uh, she's, she's hell-bent on watching her Patriots. So there may be a real football strain going through the day, which I'm excited because when you, met, when you talk people from New England, guys, that's some serious – they don't mess around. There's no back to the TV when you're from New England. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just would be concerned that there's going to be a lot of pressure on you as well as the resident 
sports expert yes. to effectively yeah. provide a commentary. So it's not like you're just watching. <sighs> they, they want a preview of the KNBR morning yeah, show. You just absolutely gutted me there, Kieran. Mm-hmm. You did. You just I'm called sorry. it out. You're right. I'm going to be on the spot. I got to go perform, don't I? Yeah. I got to go frickin' perform for these people. <laughs> I got to go do I got to go do a like a rehearsal of a show. You're working for free here, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to provide chili. So yeah, does that, that count as free? Well, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> no, but guys, uh, you guys know me too. You know me. I'm such a loudmouth. I can't stop talking and I can't stop tweeting. I love tweeting during big events like that, you know, an NFC Championship, an AFC Championship, a World Series. And, you know, so I would love to be engaging with my Twitter people, including so many Second Captains listeners that follow me, and I appreciate them all. But because I'll be at this party, that means I effectively won't be tweeting, because what kind of what jerk would I be if I was like, yeah, excuse me, I'm going to go tweet, you know? So, uh, I, I, so in other words, all kinds of problems I'm faced with. Brian, not long after we hung up the phone last week, uh, Tom Bra- well, Bill Belichick first and then Tom Brady faced the media, and they've both done so since then as well. So in a way, this whole deflate gate thing is old news. But is it really? Uh, Tom Brady was quite uncomfortable last week. Is it, is it rumbling on or have people moved on to news stories now? It's a great question because as we're kind of talking midweek here, we're sort of in this transitional period where people are starting to leave it behind, but not entirely. Like you said, it still remains this kind of backdrop. It's like a, uh, like a backdrop in a play. It's like the, uh, the scenery painted onto the back wall. Because I think what will happen is if they win the Super Bowl, this will become a, a big issue as far as legacy and history. Because, you know, we've talked about the things they've done that no other quarterback coach candom has done. You know, the, uh, Brady has now passed Elway for most quarterback starts in the Super Bowl. You know, uh, uh, Belichick has now tied Land, um, uh, Don Shula for most Super Bowl coaches uh, in a Super Bowl, most times coaching a Super Bowl. And, and they, too, as a coach-quarterback combination, are the number one. The no, no quarterback-coach combination has been six times. So they have a legitimate you know, claim in history as among the greatest ever. And if they win, this will be a huge talking point, a huge sticking point for people who say, yeah, but, yeah, but. They, they cheated. Yeah, but Spygate. Yeah, but Deflategate. So um, it, it, it's there in the background. But right now, as we speak, there has been a bit of a transition. Media Day was yesterday, that overwrought silly thing that I think they needed about 35 years ago to promote the game, but now it's so far past its expiration date. We all know the Super Bowl is coming, and we don't need this access to these players, but we still do it, and now it's turned into, you know, just sort of kabuki theater or parody of itself. And Marshawn Lynch stole the headlines yesterday. The the very talented and some would say the most important player on the Seattle Seahawks uh, who apparently has this, either a philosophical problem or an actual personal problem talking to the media and has, for his last several years, not talked to the media and now is incurring the wrath of the NFL who wants their players to talk to the media. And now it's turned into this huge showdown at the OK Corral where they keep fining him huge amounts of money and he keeps refusing to talk. And apparently, guys, the rumor was, one report was they were threatening him with a $500,000 U.S. dollar fine which is huge money, half his salary essentially, or one-third his salary, if he didn't talk. So he showed up, and for four minutes and 51 seconds, all he said was, I'm only here because I don't want to get fined. And he said that over and over and over again, somewhere over 40 times. So that actually stole the thunder from Deflategate. So the, the long answer is that Deflategate is not right on the front burner right now, as it has been for the past five, six days. Marshawn Lynch is more on the front burner now, but Deflategate remains a very strong backdrop to this whole thing. Well, that Marshawn Lynch cameo at the media day 
probably wasn't as awkward as some of the other exchanges. Simon was watching quite a bit of this and he mentioned at one point Rob Gronkowski, one of the top uh, <clears throat> Patriots players, was asked to sing a Britney Spears song, for example. Oh, We're not exactly yeah. talking hard-hitting journalism at these things. Also, guys, did you guys know there's, a, uh, there's an erotic novel written about Rob Gronkowski? Did you know no. that? No. Did you guys know that? No. A, no. Gr- a gronking to remember. Yeah, I don't know how you guys are. How you guys, are you guys up to speed on your erotic novels? Is, no, is obviously not. You guys are... Obviously, I've just I've <laughs> let it slip in the last couple of months, Brian. I'm F- sorry. Fifty Shades of Grey, obviously, Brian, but only the mainstream ones, not the more obscure right. NFL player. Fifty Shades of Grey is for the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey is for the uh, that's the Dr. Seuss crowd. I'm talking about hardcore erotic <laughs> novels, guys. Come on. So anyway, somebody wrote an, an erotic novel about some. I believe the plot is that. A woman who's bored with her husband, you know, what woman isn't bored with her husband, and she, uh, she's tired of him watching football all the time until she sees on the screen the, uh, the alluring and sensual figure of Rob Gonkowski and begins to get to have all sorts of stirring thoughts, and it, you know, reignites some sort of incredible, you know, some great sexual escapade. Mm. Inspired by Rob Gronkowski, the whole point of this story, other than pure comedy, is uh, that somebody had him read the first page of that novel. Uh, they said, could you read this on Super Bowl oh. Media Day? So that's another another feather in the cap mm. of, uh, yeah. of great sports journalism. Like I said, Super Bowl Media Day. Pretty darn silly. Richard Sherman engaged in a, um, uh, in a, a debate with a woman about Roger Goodell. That was kind of spirited, and he, he shot her down, as he always does with his great don't argue with Richard Sherman. He, he comes prepared. He'll beat you. So, um, and uh, Belichick continues to, now he's, he's done his thing. He's done his two major press conferences on, on the balls, and he's now doing an amazing job of just stoning every question on it. And so he's actually done a pretty good job of just throwing buckets of water on that. He gave the media what they wanted and said pretty much, I've done what I've needed to do, now it's on. And so we are actually beginning to ease into actual football by the end of this week. Yeah, and I mean... You would kind of say most of the time to Marshall Lynch, why don't you just answer the damn questions? But on media day, it kind of seems like it's about the appropriate response to some of the stupidity that goes on on that particular day. But the game itself, are these two teams, are they the most hated teams in the NFL? I mean, if you can take your San Francisco bias out of it, generally, are the Seattle Seahawks and the Patriots two of the more disliked teams? You know what's funny about the Seahawks is I don't think... I, I mean, I come at you from such a different perspective. We in San Francisco, we feel like they've stolen, you know, the 49ers' mantle as the best in the West, and they've, you know, they've done it by coming right in our face, too, and telling us how they're going to do it and calling their shots and eating turkey on our logo and everything. So I think here in San Francisco, there's a fervent hatred for the Seahawks that almost surpasses the decades-long hatred of the Dallas Cowboys and, to a lesser degree, the Green Bay Packers, who, who used to slap the 49ers around in the 90s. But I think nationally, the Seahawks are not hated as much as they are here in San Francisco. And I think nationally, the Patriots are much more hated because of several reasons. One, they win a lot. So when you win a lot, you're going to get a lot of haters, just like the New York Yankees have a lot of haters, or all through the 70s and 80s when they were calling themselves America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. In the NBA, you have as many people who hate the Lakers and Celtics as love the Lakers and Celtics. So, you know, you win a lot, you're out there, you're going to have that target on your on your back, so there's that. Bill Belichick has never done anything to win over the, the nation. He's always just come off as this cold, distant grump who seems entirely unpleasant. And on top of that, he gets caught cheating in Spygate and now Deflategate, so that adds to the hatred of him. You throw in Tom Brady, who I actually am a huge fan of. Now, he's a Bay Area guy, and we actually know his family a little bit, so I am biased. But I like Tom Brady, and I think he's a great player. But you've got people who hate Tom Brady, and they hate him because he's really good-looking. 
He's won three Super Bowls, and he married a Brazilian supermodel and lives the most amazing life you could ever imagine. So, of course, some people are going to hate him. Well, I hate that guy. Why? Because I hate him, you know? So, <laughs> so you've got Brady. You've got his beautiful life. You've got Belichick and his cheating. You've got Belichick and his personality. You've got the Patriots winning. And then, of course, Boston. A lot of people don't like Boston fans who roam around and get really in your face. So I would say... On my estimation, nationally, the Patriots are far more hated than the Seahawks, who really only have sort of a niche hatred going on right now. They're too new to the scene to have a national hatred going. Richard Sherman, of course, made enemies last year when he woofed so much about Michael Crabtree after stealing that Colin Kaepernick pass and breaking our hearts. People thought he was classless. But I think Richard Sherman has actually won the one. He lost that battle, but he's winning the war a, he's just continuing to prove what a great player he is. He's an amazing player, and he continues to make great plays, including a fantastic interception in the NFC Championship game. And B, the more people hear from him, the more they realize how intelligent the guy is. He's just a smart guy. He called out Roger Goodell. He's got the balls to call out Roger Goodell over and over again, the NFL commissioner, for shoddy and inconsistent uh, management and discipline. And so he, he, you listen to the guy talk, you can't help but respect his brain and his, and his courage, too. So I think he's actually sort of won people over. They're actually on the front of Sports Illustrated. The cover of Sports Illustrated this week is the so-called Legion of Boom, uh, Richard Sherman and his crew. And as the story goes, Sports Illustrated wanted to do him on the cover alone, and he said, I will only do it if you include my teammates in the secondary, the Legion of Boom. So another team-oriented thing. So that's kind of the handicap of hatred going in. Yeah, and it's always good, Brian, to have these names, particularly for the people who might only watch one NFL game per year, that game being the Super Bowl. We mentioned Marshawn Lynch earlier, a guy, a very different media uh, uh, sort of media approach than what we see from Richard Sherman. But as a player, maybe just... Uh, just talk a little bit about that guy so that we, um, sort of we're all ready to watch Beast Mode in action on Sunday night. He's just so incredible. Number 24, the Seattle Seahawks. Again, I always, everything comes back to the Bay Area. He's from Oakland, California. He, grew, he went to Oakland Tech, which is a, kind of a rough-and-tumble public high school. He went to then Cal, University of California at Berkeley, one of the great academic schools in our country. Kind of Marshawn Lynch isn't perceived as a great academic guy, but you know, sometimes they let football players in who aren't necessarily the best students. And he pr- pr- proved himself quirky at Cal. One time after they won a big game, he commandeered a, uh, a motorized cart and began t- t- tearing around the field, like doing figure eights and donuts and almost, almost running over people. So it was like a kind of a – he got a little bit of a um, reputation. It's like, wow, who's this guy? Plus he wasn't talking to the media. But what he is is he is an amazing running back. Big, strong guy. The phrase beast mode, you threw it out there. It's a phrase that's caught, you know, popular in the last five, ten years about his ability to just simply be stronger and angrier and more impossible to tackle than anybody out there. Hence, he flips over into beast mode. He is truly a beast. Now, he went to the Buffalo Bills when he got drafted out of Cal and sort of just stalled out there. He had some problems with the law. I believe he was driving a car and might have tapped a pedestrian. He'd have to check the total details on that. Something like that, a hit-and-run kind of thing. And he was viewed as a problem. And he was kind of flaming out. And I remember just thinking, oh, well, that's the last we'll hear of Marshawn Lynch. Too bad. I thought he was pretty good at Cal. Well, the Seattle Seahawks traded for him about three years ago, four years ago. And they traded a low-round draft pick. And what a genius move that was. Because something about getting to Seattle, and you you can't find out from him because he won't tell you. 
something changed in his career, whether it was being on the West Coast again or whether it was playing for Pete Carroll, the former USC Trojan football coach who won all those national championships with his swaggering, happy, optimistic way. Maybe he pressed the right buttons on Marshawn Lynch, or maybe Marshawn Lynch realized it was time to grow up a little bit, but he has turned into arguably, well, if he doesn't gain the most yards in the NFL, you can say he's the most feared running back in the NFL because time and time and time again he breaks the strongest and most impressive runs of anybody in the league. And what he does is he does it unlike anybody in the league. He doesn't outrun you with his speed, and he doesn't necessarily bull you over with, one, with, with just pure strength. What he does is he combines the two, and he dances really well for a man his size. His feet move really nimbly and then his tenacity of just shaking tackle after tackle after tackle. You cannot be one man and bring Marshawn Lynch down. If you do, you've done the impossible, and it won't happen again. He is so impressive, and he's so hard to tackle, and he's so important to the Seattle Seahawks. And, in fact, it was him who had the key runs that kind of loosened up the Green Bay Packers, and he had the winning touchdown run that put the Seahawks ahead 22-19 to 19, uh, in their incredible NFC Championship comeback. He also caught a huge pass from Russell Wilson down the stretch. So he's the guy. I mean, Russell Wilson's fantastic, believe me. He's just his improvisational skills. And when you guys will see him at his best is when he rolls out in the pot, when he rolls out on these bootlegs, when he's in space, when he's buying time and looking down the field for a play that is now broken into an unscripted play, Russell Wilson will be amazing. But it all goes to the heart and soul Marshawn, Beast Mode, Lynch. So, yes, all eyes on him Sunday. Super Bowl champions this year, Brian. Prediction? Seattle Seahawks. I've seen it too many times. I've seen them beat it. I've, I've just seen it. I know that the Patriots have a lot of national people behind them. I know that Belichick is an amazing coach, and I know that the Seattle defense will be presented with smarter people than me have said Belichick and Brady will have three or four different game plans to beat these guys. And if it means spreading it sometimes in the field or trying the power run game sometimes in the field or trying to play action games some other times around the field, whatever, they will continue to pick the lock and see, and Brady is smarter than anybody, and he will make the right reads over and over again. But that pass rush has been seen. Brady can be beaten by a pass rush. The New York Giants did it to him. That pass rush from Seattle is ferocious. Their secondary is incredible. And between Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch, you have maybe the two best offensive players in the building, even with Tom Brady there. I've seen it too much. These guys are a special, special group. Their defense is historically great. And I am forced to doff my cap to the Pacific Northwest because the Seahawks will win a close, low-scoring game. Somebody threw 23-20 at me, and I said, you know what, I'll buy that. Seahawks 23-20. Brian, we're looking forward to it, and we're looking forward even more to hearing your Super Bowl party report next week. We'll see how that goes for Don't you. forget, I'll be, I'll be performing in the Roberts living room all game. All right? Enjoy the game, Brian. All right, guys, you guys have a good time too, all right? Have a good one. That's one of those things. Stop it! How many players can do this? Duff man can never die. He's 34 years old. It's one of those things. Duff man can never die. Only the actors who play him. Questions about me being the MVP of this league? I think he just said right there. Oh yeah. He's got more of a tandem, Abel. 
Oh, I'm not going to lie. U.S. Murph Super Bowl party sounds... Oh, he's gone now. He's, he's definitely gone, Simon, yeah? yeah we can confirm. Okay, yeah. right. It sounds really, really lame. Oh, God. <laughs> Doug and Lisa, please. <laughs> that's a made-up couple, by the way. I think that sounds quite promising. It sounds a bit Doug like Doug and Lisa, the, it's the most American-sounding couple. Sorry. The wedding in, in 2011, you know? It's a bit like... Uh, probably they won't be as drunk at this Super Bowl party as, as we were <laughs> at that wedding. But, but uh, you know, just that, that combination of you know people you don't know. Lots of... Uh, Probably a bigger TV, I guess. I certainly think that that Brian is trying to put the put a brave face on it. There, you know, he's 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 say he's resigned himself to the situation. Here it is. This is what I have to do. Yeah. So let's just make the best. Oh, she's a really massive Patriots fan. If she was that big a Patriots fan, why would she be bringing you over to? <laughs> to well, no, maybe Brian. Murph, as you as you made the point to Murph uh, to you as mm. Murph Kieran, his presence will be quite a. Quite a desired. It's quite a coup. It's quite a coup for them yeah, to get KMB or as US Murph at, at yeah, the party. Yeah, we talking about that, the water cooler. That reminds you, Ken. You haven't mm. responded yet to my invitation. I'm hosting a Super Bowl party this Sunday night. And everyone's invited. Owen's address is... So far, only myself and Murph have confirmed. And I don't know if Murph is going to come if it's just the two of us. It could just be me yeah. sitting there eating my sliders and drinking my generic American beer. Well, me, me and Kieran watched one of the Super Bowls. It was the one with the New Orleans Saints when they won. That Just, was yeah. 2010, wasn't it? Well, we've, 20, all watched, uh, we've all watched Super Bowls. I think Owen was at that as well. <laughs> oh, what? Where <laughs> this is embarrassing. Were you there? <laughs> Last year as well. No, oh, no, no. I mean, just the two just the two of us. Yeah, it was actually. It was just, just me, two. you, and the hamster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no I don't actually remember. That's all that. it was, yeah. <laughs> and it was nice, Ken, wasn't it? I thought it'd be really weird and awkward, but. It was fine. It was, it was, it was actually good. fine. Uh, Glory yeah. days, Ken. Mercy Hamster, of course, and they upgraded to a dog. The hamster. No, I mean, the hamster hasn't actually transformed into a dog. That would be really quite something. The hamster died, and then a number of years later, I have a dog. Anyway, we're missing the point. You're you're not going to come over. I can't, Owen. I'm not going to be in the country. That's that's definitive enough. Just on Marshawn Lynch, you were talking about there, Alan Nestor, mead footballer, tweeted me a few of his touchdown celebrations, which are very impressive. But he asked, Alan asked that they be included in my war against the non celebration celebration, and had to inform him that. It's incorrect. Yeah, just, you can't do that, Alan. I mean, it's just. The point, the only... Cop the war, on, Alan. Yeah, cop on. The war against the non-celebration celebration only applies to players who refuse to celebrate against former teams. Insincere footballers. Insincere footballers. There's nothing insincere about Marshawn Lynch's non-celebration. Yeah. It's just cool. He's just he's just showing you, it doesn't matter how big the game is, it doesn't matter how big the touchdown is, mm. he just needs to go shouting the odds. So we were talking about this game, the Seattle Seahawks-Green Bay Packers, two weeks ago. One of the most amazing sporting events I've ever watched. Absolutely insane. Uh, Marshawn Lynch scores the winning touchdown. And... Uh, just like walks over the line and then stops everyone from jumping at him and jumping all over him and just shakes his hand like he's Stanley Matthews. <laughs> abs- it looks absolutely good. <laughs> it cool. really, it's really, great, really yeah. cool. So everyone just shakes his hand. <laughs> you know, well done. Matthews well done. Well done. Well done. <laughs> and that's it. And the, like the entire stadium had literally lost its collective mind. The place had gone absolutely insane. And the man at the centre of the is just shaking his teammates' hands. It's very cool. Thanks, though, Alan. Do keep those coming in because I am on a war. Is, is he the guy who I saw? I think it was Marshall Lynch doing an interview during the week. Yeah, that's the one. We were, that's, that's the one we were talking about. That he's, he's only here to. Uh, because he doesn't want to get fined. Mm. Not exactly a great media performer, Marshawn Lynch, but I don't think that matters to too many people. It's time now for this. That's right, you're a real Irishman. You get the potato yeah. I left in your dressing room there? I got the potatoes yeah. and the puccine. Huh? And the puccine. Oh, yeah, there you are. Bone and bread, yeah, in uh, County Meath, a place called Navin. So it's uh, Pileto time, guys. Yay! Woo! And it's uh, high time that Pierce and I, me and Pierce, turned our attention to Australia. It seems like it's been too long since we've honoured the good, solid Irish people that have gone to the other side of the world to, in some cases, work. 
and in many other cases to live 12 people to a house and break the heads off themselves so Mark Geary has been in touch uh, good day folks uh, good day uh, folks no no today is Australia Day or as many refer to it Invasion Day anyway I was out and about on Thursday evening so I took the opportunity to do my P-Bezzo thing I left my office in East Melbourne, walked 15 minutes to the MCG. There I have my first photograph, me standing in front of the recently unveiled sculpture of our own Jimmy Steins. Five minutes further on, I pause at the entrance to the Australian Open tennis. I stop for a photograph only, as I have bigger fish to fry today. Five minutes later, while waiting outside the imaginatively named Rectangular Stadium, yes, all of the other stadiums in Melbourne are oval-shaped, thank you, Mark, I get a quick shot of me in front of the Collingwood Magpies AFL team doing their pre-season training. The final photograph is me at the main event, the 2015 Asian Cup. I was going to see South Korea versus Uzbekistan, uh, the first nil-all draw of the tournament. In extra time, the South Koreans scored twice. Oh, how much the Uzbeks needed a Robbie Keane, or indeed, a Timmy Cale. All the best from down under, Mark Geary. So that's four sporting events in one day, which you'd have to say is pretty impressive. The email, not great, but the sheer physical effort involved (laughs) gets it over the line. So secondcaptains at irishtimes.com is the email if you want a piece of the PBS of action. But for now, this is Kieran Murphy and Pierce Brosnan signing off. Thanks, Kieran. Nice to you, and, uh, and Pierce. And Pierce, Don't forget Pierce. Pierce. I should mention. Ken, tell us what's coming up in the football podcast. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you doing down here, you Johnny man? Well, the FIFA presidential election nominations are in today, and today is the deadline for nominations. So, I guess by the end of the day, we should know who the runners are. It looks like there's going to be five uh, who include Luis Figo, late rival in this race. So. Um, the biggest name in the race, I guess, apart from Seth Blatter. Whether he's got any, um, uh, you know, political hinterland, I'm not really sure, Owen. Yeah. It'd be a bit of a surprise. Uh, but we'll talk to Philippe Claire about that. And we'll also talk a little bit about the first Old Firm game for several years, which is happening this weekend. I love if Luis Figo arrived with massive... He was doing all this uh, politicking behind the scenes that we didn't know about. And he has this groundswell <laughs> of support from CONCACAF and... All it's the, all just uh, fait accompli. Yeah. All right, after Kieran Donnelly's resurgence last year, good news for all intercounty defenders. Kerry now have Tommy Walsh back in the fold to look forward to marking the Twin Towers. Our back, I caught up with Tommy in Dublin. Asked him, if, first of all, if he was just pretty much relearning the game. Was he having to forget some of the mechanics he learned over the last five years in Australia? Um, I suppose a little bit, but but um, I think with with, with matches and, and like like on Saturday night, you know, all all those things will stand to me. So it's just about trying to get as many minutes and as many touches as I can over the next couple of weeks and weeks and months, and then hopefully that that it does come back. Um, it might take a while, but I just have to be patient. And as, as much as I'm in a rush to do it, I do have to be patient with myself and not get too frustrated if if things aren't you know working out as as early as I would like them. So. It sounds like you're having to convince yourself to be patient, though, is it? Yeah, but as I said, I am in a rush. You know, I want to I want to get back and I want to be able to perform. You know, and play Gaelic football at a high level again, um, to the level maybe that I was at before I left, and, and maybe even beyond that. But that's it is going to be a challenge, and it's going to be a process. But it's it's something that I am working very very hard on, and, and hopefully it, it'll come together. I remember when Ty Canelli came back; it ended spectacularly. But if memory serves, it wasn't plain sailing from the start. I think he found the same thing. You don't just waltz back into it. Have you yeah. have you chatted to him much about it? Oh uh, well, I think that's just scary football. You know, there's no. Um, 
there's no guarantees. You know, you're, I'm I'm coming back and and like the lads are all and champions are some unbelievable players and there. There's unbelievable talent, and 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 do you know what they did last year was was exceptional. You know, and they're and I know from from talking to all those guys and seeing the, how hard they're working in training that they're all trying to improve and and, and build themselves. And and even though Kerry have lost some pretty influential leaders o- over the last couple of years. You can see young guys like Peter Crowley and Paul Murphy, those type of guys, you know, they're developing in, into into leaders and um and they're going to be be around for a long time and very, very important to carry, not only this year but well into the future. How have you found the balance? Maybe it's too early to, to judge this, but uh, of not being a full time professional athlete anymore, this has been in the news lately how difficult it is, maybe the demands on inter county footballers at the moment. And I see today Darren O'Sullivan has been saying that he's actually given up his job for the time being to be able to rehab properly for this season. So are the demands a lot greater from what you've seen so far than they were even in 2009? Oh, I think they are, yeah. And, and they're, they're, they're going up every year, you know. So um, I think it is, it is difficult. Like, it's difficult for a GA player not to have, have you know, uh, to pursue a, a really, really good career. Now, I know playing for Kerry that it's hard... Like basically, you can't live outside Munster. You know, you can't be in Dublin, which is probably where most of the, the things are happening. You know, but that's that's I just suppose the decision that you make. And, and I know that that um, all the guys that are in a Kerry at the moment, you know, they don't regret the choice they're making. They're making. They love playing for Kerry. Um, and like you see what Darren's doing there, you know, that's fantastic. You know, to see that and. and um, as much as you'd like to see every fellow working as well, but look, Darren's had injury issues, and, and the commitment he's showing by doing something like that is, is great, and that will again that will spur the rest of the group on. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's great commitment. I can just imagine Joe yeah. Body saying, "Look, you see, this is exactly what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, Darren O'Sullivan yeah. has to give up his, yeah. his career, well, not his career, but has yeah. to take a break from working so that he can get his injuries right." Yeah, well, like it, like no, Darren's been very unlucky. He's had a lot of hamstring issues and stuff like that. So it's. Um, it's probably what he needs, you know. He probably needs to focus on 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 doing that full time, and he is he is doing a bit of work. I think he's working for um, is it Sky Living yeah. or something? He's doing a few things in schools and stuff like that. So he will be working. It's not like he's just going to be doing, you know, completely focused on that all day every day. But um, you know, hopefully now that he has that extra time, he can get himself right because he'll be a massive addition. Because he's an All Ireland winning captain at the end of the day, so he's going to be a massive addition to carry. When you look back at your years now in Australia, do you feel your, did yourself justice as a as an Australian rules footballer overall? Oh uh, well, like I went over and I worked as hard as I can. Um, I went over to play. Like I, I played, I didn't play as many games as I would have liked. Um, to know that there, there was, I suppose, different factors in that, whether it be loss of form or, or just a bit of luck. But that's just sport, you know. I certainly don't have any regrets. I don't. Um, to know it, it probably didn't go as well as I would have liked to, but I worked as hard as I can. I gave it everything, and I've I come back knowing, you know, full well that I that that I have done that and, and I don't have any regrets about it. Was the experience everything you'd expected it to be? Uh, no, it was probably like better, I suppose. Okay. You know, there, no, there was a lot of low points, you know, with injuries and, and, and loss of form and not getting selected and things like that. But that's just, that's part of it. And I suppose that pressure can be magnified because it is your job and not just, a, um, you know, an, an amateur game, we'll say, like it is here. And you, you've other kind of outlets here than you would have there. But that's, you know, that's what you're going in to do every day. It's your job. So it's... Um, there were a lot of low points. There were a lot of high points, um, and it's like it, I think it's kind of molded me as a person over the last five years, and it's something that I that I've really, really, really enjoyed. And it's I'd suggest it to, to any young fella now that's getting scouted is, is to give it serious consideration and 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 weigh up whether it's for you or not. But I know that if 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 someone is to go out and do it, that they'll they'll learn a lot a lot about themselves. Yeah, because over the years, sporadically, there have been these sort of comments that. 
Irish lands are being taken away and they're being taken away from their county, etc. As, yeah. as though it's almost a negative thing. But yeah. it sounds, even though you didn't get as much game time as you would have liked, it sounds like it's been a positive experience. You're treated oh, well by yeah. these clubs. It's yeah. a professional lifestyle. Well, they do. They treat you very well. Like They bring their family over. They pay for you to come home every year and they give you every you know, resource and, and um, opportunity to succeed. You know, they're not... Um, you know, it is very, very ruthless and as soon as they feel they don't want you, you're gone. Right. Right? So that's... Um, that's the kind of the other side of it, but they do give you every opportunity. Um, and like, as I said, it's something that that I gained a lot out of, and, and I'm sure that over the next couple of couple of months and years, I'll be able to pull out of that. We wish you well, Tommy. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks Cheers. very much. Cheers. That was Tommy Walsh there promoting the LucasAid Sport Kit Out project. You collect promotional codes from LucasAid Sport bottles and send them in in return for jerseys, bibs, footballs, that kind of thing. LucasAidSport.ie. If you want any more info on that one, it sounded like he was very much trying to dampen down the expectation there a little bit which is probably fair enough uh, it doesn't, there's no benefit to him if he's getting talked up too much too early in, in mm. the year but tough luck Paddy <laughs> yeah. tough luck Tommy uh, Paddy did you say? yeah I did actually Paddy Walsh yeah. Paddy Walsh sounds better than well I mean there'd yeah. be less confusion but again, then again Tommy Walsh Kilkenny has actually retired so yeah not that there's much. only one big, there's only big one name Tommy Walsh we'll Tommy, move on from, from, this, from the Tommy Paddy Walsh, uh, mm. Paddy Walsh chat to ask you Murph about Pork Duffy's annual report which is the probably big GA story of the week, and most of the headlines I read seemed to centre around money. That, yeah. that grubby word in the GA. It seemed as though uh, Port Duffy was having to defend the association against charges of consumerism and it being a corporate entity. Yeah, well, Sky and Garth Brooks, unfortunately. And the Mayo Kerry semi final moved out of For the American football uh, college game. So uh, I don't know if. if, if for those of you unfamiliar with the annual report, it's basically a State of the Union address for the GA where the Port Duffy, the Director General, just talks about the year and you know tries to raise the issues that he feels are important. But anyway, the, one of the, among, the, among the issues covered, he refuted claims of a corporate GA, in inverted commas, uh, which only exists to make money. And uh, this is the idea that's being bandied about. So obviously the GA does make money, um, which it then plows back into clubs and counties and helps them to build dressing rooms and mm-hmm. you know, pitches. And we're, if anyone who's been involved in a club knows that this is actually how it operates. But I thought it, it, this was pretty obvious. Uh, uh, so uh, anyway, he there's a sentence in it where uh, when I read it, it immediately make, made me think that it was aimed at one man and one man only. Some of these commentators seem to consider themselves better, purer GAA members than the rest of us. But it's easy to act the purest when one has only to talk. So I think it's immediately clear who he's talking about here. And uh, it is starting to get ridiculous. Now, it is only January. I'm going to put in a big, massive rejoinder. It is only January. But I do think the amount of attention Joe Brawley is getting and everything that he says is outrageous. He's mastered mastered the art of punditry. I don't know of any commentator on any sport anywhere in the world has managed to corner the market yeah. so completely for himself not only that Liam O'Neill this week did actually name check him mention him he was asked about the uh, the whole indentured slaves idea that, and that's mm. that's the big that's Joe Brodley's big thing at the moment that uh, I'm sure everyone's aware of it anyway but that intercounty footballers and hurlers are um, essentially being used and abused by the system yeah. and are getting no enjoyment out of it and are sacrificing their career long term for these rather uh, less tangible yeah. uh, ideals of, of inter-county glory, etc., which uh, has a certain merit. I guess when you start using terms like indentured, uh, indentured yeah. <laughs> slavery... Uh, Is it indentured slavery, he says? Because that doesn't make any sense. I mean... Yeah, he says, he says slavery and indentured servitude are different things. Sorry, indentured servitude, I should say. As okay, right. Indentured slavery. I'm, I'm 
No, he didn't like them to indentured slaves is one of the quotes that I'm reading here. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well... I mean, indentured... The idea of that is you come along, work a certain time, and then you're then you're yeah. free to go off. Or as a slave, you're just a slave. Yeah. Well, see, I, th- I think the thing is that he looks at uh, what he what he keeps talking about is these people are doing seven training sessions, seven training sessions a week. Hmm. You know, and you know it's like four gym sessions, and then you're playing football on Tuesday, Thursday, and maybe again at the weekend, without really taking a look around the country as it is right now to see. Basically, every young man between the age of 18 and 25 going to the gym twice or three times a week. Well, you know, I'm not saying every single one, but like vast numbers of 18 to 25-year-old males and females going to the gym twice or three times a week without an intercounty career or yeah. without any sporting career of any... Uh, of that's any, bloody annoying, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, but that's what people are doing, though. You know, and he kind of he looks at these gym sessions as like, well... I mean, if if they weren't playing intercounty football, they wouldn't be near the inside of a gym. When that's just, it's just actually not the case in. in it's not the case. Ireland. But uh, what you're talking about, the people you're talking about there, probably have a lot more flexibility over fitting that stuff in around their careers. Yeah. Now, a lot of people, you, 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 that's 100 true. A lot of people are just hitting the gym or going for the runs or whatever. It's a healthy lifestyle, which it, people. It, it, are yeah, it is a healthy up. lifestyle. I think. The, I, I think he would claim that. Intercounty players are doing more than that. That they're getting more like uh, Olympic athletes or whatever it might be, and probably sacrificing too much. And they 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 have to put that ahead of their career. Whereas mm. the guys are talking about going around to gyms, etc., can do it in their own time to a large extent and still build their career and not have to, as Darren O'Sullivan did this week, uh, give up their their job at least temporarily, uh, give up their job in the bank. Which you know we don't know what else is behind a decision like that without talking to Darren O'Sullivan himself. Maybe he just didn't want to do that particular job anymore. But certainly he feels that he needs a bit more time to yeah. uh, to rehab I just, his injuries. You know, yeah, I mean, I I think that you know you do actually hear cases of guys who have uh, are you know have professions that are deciding to hold off on those professions for three or four years while they or you know that they find themselves in a situation where going trying to pursue uh, furthering their career is going to be held back for them because of their intercounty career. But I mean, he's he just the way that he talks about it is just so overblown. I mean, if 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 what you're talking about is uh, uh, the amount of time that you spend in the gym, which is you know that's what he's talking about. It's like you know it's taking over their lives. If you're in a gym for an hour and a half, and you know you're fitting it into your schedule, however you want to fit it into your schedule, that's an hour and a half. If you're a Gaelic footballer, you're getting it for free. And you're getting uh, you're you're getting advice on what, exactly what you need to do, and you're probably out of there in thirty five minutes or forty minutes. I mean, I just think that you know it's very easy uh, to talk the way he talks to say that you know it's it's a living hell for these people. But I mean, like the, he says, the win at all cost mentality has crept into the GA in the nineteen thirties and nineteen forties. Teams were t- were going away for two week training camps. The GA had to ban it in the 1930s and 1940s because guys were leaving their farms to rack and ruin. <laughs> Where were they going? They were, well, they were, they were going to, like, to like <laughs> monasteries. They were Nationalist going to, Spain. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, they were. You know, like, Cavan made a, made a point of doing it every, every August. They'd win the Ulster Championship and then they'd go for these training camps for two or three weeks at a time. I mean, yeah. if that's not win at all costs... I mean, what are we doing here? You know, if it's, like the, the joy has got out of the game. I mean, I, yeah, but I the, the reason it. why the reason like, why Joe Raleigh fo- talk to the Kerry footballers of the nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties. Mickey Ned O'Sullivan has done Trojan work on this already. He's asked them, "What is your physical health like now?" And they're runes like hip replacements, knee replacements, 
daily pain getting out of bed for like 70-80% of that panel. I mean, the, the, the research is, is available online. I mean... This is yeah, what the, it's yeah, he, he paints a very nostalgic picture of how it was in his day, yeah. as though everyone was just uh, kicking a bit of ball at the weekend, uh, going out, having a nice, healthy drink, and then all building amazing careers, which might have been the case in, for him, uh, yeah. and certainly he's had a, a very successful let's, career. Let's, but let's, not forget, the, the let's not forget, by the way, if you're talking about healthy lifestyles, that the few pints after, uh, after every league game and the... Uh, uh, four months long celebrations after winning all Ireland titles or provincial titles that had a pretty negative impact on a lot of people's lifestyles in this country that you know you can kind of wash it all off and say oh sure why don't they just go out and have a few pints well maybe the few pints don't agree with 100% of the people here in this country yeah. which I think is <laughs> probably a point worth making and a, a point that everyone knows but no one talks about yeah but you know the reason Joe Brody's comments and it's not just on that particular subject I mean he's you know there's a few recent things that he's had to say I mean this is just the latest one and the reason why he generally tends to get so much attention is because he's you know there's often a kernel of truth in what he's saying I mean if it was just totally mad off the wall stuff no one would pay any attention but because he's playing on the insecurities of I think, you know, a lot of GA, lots of people in GA are like, oh, is this really fun anymore? Why are we doing this? <laughs> Why are we, like, it's yeah, crazy. But it's never this fun. Ins- what we're doing is insane. Yeah. You know, there's a little voice saying that, you know, and, uh, and Joe Brawley is, is, and like he's picking January to do it as well. When there's no football he's, and all you're doing is just running yourself into the ground in the dark, in the morning and in the evening. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're going to talk about this stuff, Jabbing January, it into their own January is the time to do it. Joe Brody knows how to work the media, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, bottom line here. And here we are talking about him right now. We'll, we'll, we'll move along. I do find, I have to say, I do find, I find Joe Brody very interesting. Uh, and Unbelievably interesting. I, do, and I, I find the effect that he, in the last, particularly in the last couple of years, yeah. has been having on the on any national debate within the GAA is staggering, really. I'm just trying and to get to the bottom. A lot of it also has to do, I think, with the way that he says it. Like, he just says it in such a condescending way. Well, so the, there couldn't possibly, like, anyone who disagreed with him, I mean, how could anyone possibly, who had yeah. a brain, and disagree course, with yeah. But it's saying. also, he's so articulate and he's a difficult man to argue with. Yeah. You know, his, his, well, his profession involves having to argue yeah. points well, pr- pretty vehemently. So there, yeah. there's that too, you know. Well, the whole idea of it as well is that, as you say, Ken, the way he talks, you know, and uh, his youth, Malachi Kirkland has, has said this before, maddening, you, know, you know, is the, the the extent to which he uses the term gales, you know, to any <laughs> to any gale reading this, you know, I, well, I actually have a I actually have a big problem with that, right? Because, <laughs> oh my god, you're getting angry. Well, Joe no, Brody has got you hot under the collar. Well, he does. He uh, really has. Because I actually, well, I I just think it's really it's really weird that he says it in print, but you never actually hear him say the word gale, gale on television. He's well, like, do you say gale or do you say gale? Gale. Gale. Gale, tiny true gale. But I mean, anyone bored after the death of Michael Cusack using that word? <laughs> you know, it's just bizarre, you know? But but it's not a very inclusive word. You know, I don't... Why not? Because if, you're, if you say the word gale, yeah. I mean, like, it's the Gaelic Athletic, Athletic Association, true. Yeah. But it's like, it's also a, a term for our ethnicity. Is and it? it's kind of said, well, it's a gale as, a, as an Irish person, oh, you know? Re- I didn't realise that. I thought it was just a... Uh, an inclusive term for no. uh, people who, who are interested in the, the sports, which sure, which sure are, you could say, indigenous to this island, yeah. but, you know, which welcome uh, 
all comers with open arms. Yeah. Murph admitted isn't that, you're isn't that what very tempted to finish this off with uh, Joe Brody. What do you think of that, aren't you? <laughs> Just fighting that urge. Yeah. yeah. That well, would, that particular phrase, you, you feel may have jumped the shark, but you really want to fit it in here. No, no, no. And again, his, his, he's an extremely funny man on Twitter. And uh, his dedication to what do you think of that Joe Brawley retweets is to be admired all around. Okay, I hope you enjoyed what has turned out to be a Joe Brawley special edition of the... I don't know why we did the other pieces. Why did we talk about the Super Bowl or Tommy Walsh or anything like that? All right, and uh, you can check out our football podcast a little bit later on today. irishtimes.com forward slash second captains. If you get on irishtimes.com forward slash podcasts, you can see all the rest of the shows uh, that are available for you to listen to. Thanks very much, Ken. Thank you too, huh? Thanks, Kieran. Garamagad on August Ked. Thanks, Kieran. You can follow us on Twitter at Second Captains. <laughs> Thanks for listening. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those 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 boys.